Hi, this is M. Allen Cunningham. I'm an author, publisher, and teacher in Portland, Oregon, and you're in the Atelier. In the Atelier is a place for occasional thoughts on literature, writing, the life of the imagination. Come on in. I'm glad you're here. Today's installment, The Value of Travel. I'm recording this in early 2021, and as so many of us know all too well, this pandemic is far from over. But maybe, just maybe, now that vaccines are with us, we can spot a light at the end of this tunnel. And hopefully that means, for those of us who hold it to be one of the most important things in life, we'll be able soon to travel again. Here's a piece I wrote years ago on that subject. Occasionally, I am asked one classic question that I think every author must encounter at some point. Where do you get your ideas? Or sometimes this variation on the same question. Do you wait for inspiration, or do you just start working and see what comes out? There's one very good answer, which I've never really managed to articulate in person, and it goes somewhat like this. Inspiration waxes and wanes, and producing a book is most often a matter of sitting down and sweating it out at the desk. But I also believe that inspiration can be galvanized in certain ways, and one way is to consciously put yourself into the realm of the unexpected. The most reliable method of doing this is to travel. My wife and I have always been avid travelers. The story of our relationship is, in a way, a travelogue. Major moments in the narrative take international settings. London, Paris, Switzerland, Istanbul, Hong Kong, Indonesia... Though our salaries have never been much to speak of, throughout our married life, we've made a point of using a sizable part of our earnings to fund lengthy trips abroad, three weeks or several months. Years ago, when we learned our first child was on the way, we made a pledge to ourselves. Parenthood would not mean our days of overseas adventuring had come to an end. Quite the contrary, as we saw it, Becoming parents mandated that we renew our commitment to travel and strive to foster in our child the consciousness of a world citizen. We wanted our child to grow up well-seasoned in the boundary-breaking, humanizing act of witness, discovery, and interaction that international travel can be. The United States is vast and diverse, but its very immensity makes it a chore to transgress its boundaries for any significant period of time. And I'm speaking here of boundaries both geographical and mental. Strictly American values and ideas pervade the thoughts and lifestyles of the majority of U.S. citizens to the exclusion of any other ethos. This is not surprising when you consider our geography. We don't rub shoulders with other nations, other ways of life. As for our nearest neighbors, Mexico and Canada, sadly, we seem to do our most to ignore 
or aggressively fence out Mexico, except perhaps when planning an all-inclusive beach getaway. And Canada is so self-sufficient and peaceable that we forget about it for all but a few moments each year. To a large extent, our country is like an island nation, culturally speaking. I was shocked to read once that some 80% of Americans do not own a passport. Too often here in the U.S., the world outside is viewed as the other. And in our worst moments, we tend to forget that these other nations even exist, let alone possess social models, cultures, practices, and perspectives, which we would often do well to borrow from, or histories we would do well to study. Being constantly aware of this parochial American mindset, my wife and I made a parents-to-be pledge. We would take a big trip abroad sometime within the first five years of our child's life. This may sound naive, but our impetus was actually entirely practical. We knew that if we didn't travel reasonably soon after becoming a family of three, and thus failed to set the custom in place early on, we might risk never traveling again. And that, from the standpoint of two creative souls landlocked in the United States, would be unacceptable. Unacceptable for us personally, and for the future of our child. We'll be right back. This is M. Allen Cunningham, host of In the Atelier and publisher of Atelier 26 Books, which brings you the podcast. I founded Atelier 26 almost 10 years ago in the profoundly held belief that reading is far more than just another form of consumerism, and that books are not static objects, but living, thriving vessels of human thought and feeling and expression, much like this podcast. If you value In the Atelier, you can be sure you'll value the books we publish at Atelier 26. We bring you unforgettable and electrifying works of fiction, poetry, and creative nonfiction from contemporary writers in beautifully designed editions. You can order any of our titles at a discount at atelier26books.com. And if you're a regular listener, I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on your preferred app, share the podcast with friends, and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and maybe even a few words about why you love In the Atelier. You can also become a monthly supporter of In the Atelier for as little as 99 cents from our homepage on Anchor, which is anchor.fm slash in the atelier. That's in dash the dash atelier. It all helps immensely so that we can stay on the pod waves and also keep helping marvelous new books find their way into the world. So thank you. The thing is, We've always regarded travel as something far more meaningful and edifying than the diversionary experience that comes to most minds at the thought of getting away or vacationing. Travel, as we see it, means engaging a larger world, not just retreating from the one we know. It entails more than a flight from the boredom of an urban grind or the doldrums of suburbia in pursuit of touristy entertainments. It's about seeking to become a part of, for a while at least, an experience that transcends one's native outlook, habits, cultural predispositions. In other words, travel means joining in the human experience.
To tell the truth, I and my wife were a bit haunted by the familiar refrains we'd heard from well-meaning stay-at-home sorts who had long since subscribed to a peculiarly American misconception that lengthy travel is an extraneous indulgence of youth. Enjoy it while you're young, they told us. Go while you're still free. That freedom won't last forever. We were well aware that they spoke to a frightful reality. We knew how it often goes. Life becomes more and more complicated as one's children grow. Commitments, appointments, routines multiply exponentially. And family finances get apportioned and stretched till the notion of designating any amount towards something as fundamentally non-essential as travel can seem absurd. And travel, particularly extended international travel, is expensive. That fact alone relegates it to the realm of excess, right? Well, we've never been convinced of this. The way we see it, there are vast and innumerable benefits, and some clearly numerable ones, that come of distant sojourning. And these make travel, however expensive, a monetary non-issue for us. We see the act of going abroad as an investment, plain and simple. Here's a sampling of some major benefits not to be underrated that come of one's investment in international travel. Stuttering in a foreign tongue, being subjected to the good graces and, yes, sometimes the rudeness of others, being forced to ask questions of strangers, finding oneself confronted by wondrous things, unsettling things, things that are simply difficult to understand begging explanations for seemingly uninterpretable experiences, plumbing the histories and arts for some sense of what one has witnessed and why it matters, putting oneself into the realm of the unexpected, where serendipity can unveil new horizons, and generally feeling like an outsider. These experiences engender one's empathy for fellow human beings, better understanding of the challenges faced by new immigrants in our own land, and overall discovery of things large, small, enriching or infuriating, whether they be works of art, episodes of world history, or political conditions. One example of a very small personal discovery. I'll never forget, on my first day in London at age 19, finding the face of Charles Dickens on the ten-pound note and vocalizing my astonishment that a nation would grant so high an honor to an author. I thought it was perfectly wonderful, but I couldn't imagine such a thing occurring in my own country. Robert Frost on the 20? Emily Dickinson on the 5? James Baldwin on the 10? Somehow it seemed impossible. Even England, with whom we share a language, sort of, could not differ more from America on certain values. As a young, would-be writer, I was astounded to find myself in a culture with so strong and valued a literary tradition, and I was disturbed to compare this with the paltry official regard accorded the arts in America. Realizations and comparisons like this are the daily fodder of the international traveler. And though usually more small than not, 
they accumulate powerfully and their personal resonance becomes positively seismic. The little things change and widen a person. Adam Gopnik puts it another way in his wonderful book, Paris to the Moon. Quote, This can shake you up, this business of things almost but not quite being the same. A pharmacy is not quite a drugstore. A brasserie is not quite a coffee shop. A lunch is not quite a lunch. Unquote. In short, the experience of traveling abroad invigorates the imagination. And it is imagination that makes us into human beings enabling us to recognize the humanity in the world around us and to reach out to others as fellow humans. To be human is to be curious, and to be curious is to travel, if not literally, then in the mind, through books, arts, cultural treasures. But too many Americans, bombarded with the rampant scaremongering that too often characterizes our nation's political climate, have retreated toward fear and loathing, while it's precisely imagination and outreach that could help to heal a great many ills. Perhaps travel is more a necessity now than ever. To me, personally, it feels very close to a moral responsibility. But travel, at its best, is a spiritual investment. That is, it provides a value utterly unquantifiable by the standards of the dollar or any other currency, though no less tangible. And as long as travel remains an imperative in one's life, an essential endeavor, a means can be found to make it possible. My wife and I keep a modest household, and our incomes are not large, but we hoped to break a cultural mold and start our family life under the consciousness that travel is integral to a rich and fulfilled life. Call us idealists, but we felt that if we could cultivate sensitivity, tolerance, openness, and insatiable curiosity in our child, we would have reason to put our faith in the next generation. I'm happy to report that we made good on our early parental pledge and brought our son overseas with us when he was four. By now, he has been with us to five or six different countries, including Spain and Japan, and he's looking forward to our next international adventure. Like us, he knows that travel at its best is a refresher course in human life on Earth, with its millions of dizzying customs, civilizations, and creations. In the Atelier is produced by Atelier 26 Books. For more information, visit Atelier26Books.com. I'm M. Allen Cunningham. Thanks for listening. So long for now.